I have dreaded this section of scripture since I decided that we're going to walk through Ephesians. There has been, for generations, horrible teaching on husbands and wives and the roles that they play within the house, within the family, within society. Such horrible teaching that we now have swung the pendulum so far the other way that we need to correct that as well. I'm not going to stand up here as we walk through this and deny the fact that for literally thousands of years, the patriarchy has pushed women down. I will not deny that fact. Look throughout history. It has happened. I will also not stand up here and deny the fact that God ordained a specific order and roles to people. Men and women, children, and then husband and wife as well. He did. We might not like some of the reasoning behind it, but he did it. My hope and goal today, and I've been praying really hard. I don't know if I've ever prayed so hard about a sermon as I did today's. Because I want the words that come out of my mouth to come across correctly and be truth. I ask this as we walk through it. Whether, no matter which side you might fall on for things. Please allow us to finish before you make any judgment calls on anything. Because I don't think that I'm going to fall into the trap that has befell the generations before us. This is an important thing, and as the title of the sermon is, this is a hard thing. Because both men and women have roles as husband and wives that are not easy to do, but are biblically required for it to be done. Let's jump into it. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. I strongly thought about splitting this up and doing it as two separate sermons, but instead you're just going to get a slightly longer one sermon instead of having to hear me talk for 20 minutes on both topics. You have to hear me talk for 30 on the same. <laughs> we got till noon. That's right, because the snow should be done right around then. So, you know, as long as I'm done by what, 6.40, right? That's kickoff tonight. So if I'm done around then, we should be good. Let's read it. 22 through 33, Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless... Each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Let's dive into this. I thought about first talking about husbands, since Paul spends more time on husbands than he does on wives. And I think that's because husbands have dropped the ball way longer and way harder than wives did. And we'll get to that when we do talk about husbands. But since he started with wives, that's where we'll start. So number one on your note sheets there, 
Wives, number one on your note sheet, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. You are to subject yourself to your husband. Now, let's talk about a few qualifiers on this that are not necessarily written right there, but are implied throughout it. One, women, you are not subject to every man in your life. You will be subject to three men total in your life. You will always be subject to Christ. Before you are married, you are subject to your father. Once you are married, you are subject to your husband. Nobody in this room except for Maddie is subject to me. And that's one of the big issues that we've had in society is we have said, women, you must be subject to all men. And the Bible doesn't say that. It says be subject to one man at a time. One, your husband. You are not supposed to roll over and play dead for the entire society of men. You're not even supposed to roll over and play dead for your husband. You see, that's another problem. We've made it so that women, we tell them, no, you must do whatever I say when I say it. I'm the head. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, what that means. But here's what being subject to your wife means. Here's what it talks about. If we flip back to Genesis chapter 3 real quick. Verse 16, this is where God first makes this proclamation, right? To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Women, you got the short end of the stick when it came to the curse. Men, he was just like, you're going to have to work really hard. Women, he's like, you're going to have the most painful experience in life ever, and you'll be subject to somebody. And you might say, but pastor, wasn't Eve subject to Adam before this in the garden? Yes, but in a slightly different way. You see, the way that God originally intended the roles of a husband and wife for the wife to the husband is you were supposed to be the helper, the support. The word helper that is used when God says, I will create for the man a helper is a co a support. She was not inferior to him. She served a different role than him. And wives, that is your job as a wife. You are inferior to no man, except for Christ, but we're all inferior to him. You are the support system. Women, you will never fully understand the impact you have on men. You can't grasp it. It's not because you're stupid. It's because you're not a guy. You have the ability to spur your husbands on to something greater and more than what they are, than what they originally could be. If I may, I've spent a lot of the past seven months saying a lot of not bad things about my wife, but the things that annoy me. So if you'll indulge me for a second, I'm going to brag on her just a little bit. You see, my wife spurs me on to be something more than what I am because she sees me as a specific person, and I know I'm not that person, but I want to be. She sees me as a specific husband, a pastor, a leader, and eventually a father, and a good one. And I know my own struggles. I know what I face. But because she sees me in that way, I want to be that. Wives, you have the ability to spur. Now, I'm not saying that if you're not doing that, 
I'm not blaming you for the choices of your husbands. Please don't misunderstand me here. We all make our own individual choices. I am saying, though, that your job as a wife is to be the support, to be the one. You're not supposed to be behind him. You're supposed to be beside him, helping him as he walks. Ladies, if I may be so bold to speak for all men, we can't do it on our own. We can't. And if you're like, well, I don't know about that. God himself said, the perfect man that I created can't do it on his own. We need wives. We don't need nagging wives. We need wives that support us, that drive us on, that when we go, I can't take another step. You come beside us and go, yes, you can. I know you can. I have faith that you can. And since we don't want to let you down, we keep going. Your job is not to roll over and play dead. Your job is not to do whatever he says whenever he says it. Your job is to support him. Now, that does mean in times when you don't think he's necessarily making the right decision. I'm not saying in terms of sin. I'm saying that in a situation where you two are trying to choose, let's put it in this. You're trying to decide if, you sh if he should take a job somewhere. Let's put it there. And you've prayed about it and you've sought God and you've sought counsel and you've come to different conclusions. It is the man's duty to make the final decision. It is not the man's duty to make his decision, the right, the one that we do, his choice, I should say. It is his duty, though, to make the final decision. It is your duty as wives to support him in that decision. It's an incredibly difficult thing that I will never understand because I'm not a wife. But that is your job, to respect him, to support him. Now let's take a minute, not a minute, let's take a few minutes, and let's talk about us as husbands. So number two on your note sheets there. Husbands, he spends a lot of time trying to explain how husbands are supposed to be. I think because even Paul realized that men are stupid and we need a lot more explanation because we don't get it. So he says, love your wife, all right, good, like Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Well, he died for it. Yes, he did. But did he just die a physical death? No. He died to himself. He died a spiritual death. He died an emotional death. He died a mental death and a physical death. Husbands, you have a charge to die for your wives, to yourself. Kill yourself every day for your wife. You are not supposed to just rule over her. In fact, this leadership, because let's not, let's not mince words, the Bible says, husbands, you are the head, you are the leader. But it doesn't mean you get what you want. You are to be a servant leader. You are to be a protective covering for your wives. When something bad is coming, Satan should not see your wife standing out there. He should see you standing in front of her, protecting her, protecting your children. It is not an enviable position. It is not something that you should look at as men and go, yeah, I'm in charge. You should look at it as men and go, holy crap, I'm in charge? Who put me in charge? You are to die to yourself every moment of every day. She 
and her wants and needs are more important than yours every time. That doesn't mean that sometimes, wives, you shouldn't do what men want to do. But I'm saying that when push comes to shove, husbands, your job is to give yourself up. Sometimes it might mean a physical death. Somebody came in this room right now to start shooting it up. You better hop in front of your wife and protect her. But also, you should protect her emotions. You should protect her mental state. You should protect her spiritual state. You see, here's the thing, men. When we all get to heaven and we're standing before God at the Bema seat, and he's judging our actions in life. We're the ones who get judged for our family, not our wives, not our children. We get judged. God will look at us and go, I entrusted you with this precious creature and multiple other precious creatures possibly. Why didn't you protect her? Or, good job, you weren't perfect because we're not, but you protected her. You led her well. Men, we are supposed to be the spiritual head of our households as well. That is not to say that moms and wives should not have spiritual things as well. I learned just as much from my mom as I did from my dad. I learned different things from both. But when push comes to shove, I knew who was the authority in my household spiritually as well as in terms of the final say. It was my dad. I want to read a quote. We've been walking through at our men's Bible study a book called Kingdom Man by Tony Evans. Um, and I want to read a quote from it that's at the very end of the book that I think encompasses the issue that men have had, especially uh, husbands specifically. Tony Evans writes, what has negatively impacted our society so much is the number of men, particularly Christian men within Christian circles, who attempt to bully those around them, either their wife or their children, through claiming the title of head without exercising the responsibilities that come with that title, such as loving, leading, and providing well. Why do I think that men drop the ball way harder? We talk about the original sin, of course, being Eve eating the forbidden fruit, right? And while it wasn't necessarily a sin, there was a failure that happened that allowed for that to happen. You see, oftentimes when we read in, uh, excuse me, in Genesis 3, we read it as though Adam is on the other side of the garden. He's not. Read it again. Adam is there with his wife when Satan tempts her. And Adam does not protect his wife. Adam does not step in and go, I will be the one who protects you from the lies of this snake. Adam dropped the ball first, and men, we've been dropping it ever since. Well, let me reword that. Adam dropped the ball since, and men, we never picked it back up. Would Eve have sinned if Adam had been there to, to protect her like that? Maybe, because again, Eve's choices are her own. Men, you will not answer for the choices your wife or your children make. You will just answer for the spiritual state of your household. Did you lead it well? From that moment, the paradigm switched. And men somehow became not even a support, because we just kind of sat around and did nothing. And women said, well, somebody has to lead, so we'll do it. They're not wrong. Somebody had to lead. 
The problem was the one that God specifically made to lead didn't do it. Men and women are different. I know society has tried to say, no, no, they're the same. And society has said so much, they focus so much on what women can do, the same as men, that they don't focus on the fact that women can do so much more that men cannot. The thing that separates them and makes them special, that man cannot do, we throw it out. Case in point, men generally, now I'm going to speak in some generals here, okay? Generally, men are far better decision makers than women are. Men are generally far better at putting aside their emotions and going, we have to make a decision, we have to make a choice, here it is. Women generally aren't great at that. Some can be, but generally they're not. But here's the thing. Men are great at putting aside their emotions, which means we miss the emotional ramifications of the decisions that we make. Women might not be great at putting aside their emotions, but women generally will feel and be far more in touch with emotion than any man ever will be. And therefore, they can look at it and go, but did you think about this, this, and this? Yes, when the decision is time to be made, men are better at making the final decision, but we often miss a lot of the peripheral stuff because we're too focused on making the decision. Let me put it in something that's not quite spiritual. We've talked about this a lot over these past couple of months, but... I'm going to keep talking about it because it works for a lot of different stuff. When it comes time to decide what we're eating for dinner, I can narrow it down to two or three things, and then my only decision is, what am I in the mood for right now? And I'll make my choice, and I don't second-guess my choice. As I'm sitting there eating pizza, I don't go, you know, I really wish I had some pasta carbonara right now. I'm thinking, man, I made the right choice. I'm eating pizza. Flip that. I have to give 80 billion options to my good wife before she starts to pick anything at all. It's a funny thing, right? But it shows us that we can do that. And see, here's the thing. She's thinking about more than just food a lot of the time. I'm thinking, my stomach is hungry. I'd like to put something in it. What do I want to put in it? Maddie goes, well, we just had pizza two days ago, so we can't have that yet. And we're probably going to have chicken patties tomorrow, so we don't want to have that. And what did we have three weeks ago? Because I think that's still too soon. So she's thinking about so much more than me. I think food, good stuff. Let's eat it. I eat the same thing for lunch every day. About a quarter to a third of a rotisserie chicken. I enjoy it. Sometimes I put a little salad on the side to make myself seem healthy, but I enjoy it. And there are times Maddie looks at me and she goes, you've had that all the time. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Why would I get something else? We think about things differently, but both thought processes are needed because one without the other does not function well. We were not made to be separate. We were made to be together. And it's not like God made a mistake in making it so men are more logical and women are more emotional. What he did was, I'm going to make it so that this bond, this union, is a beautiful thing because they bring something that the other one does not. It wasn't a mistake on God's part. It was a beautiful plan that has been twisted and turned by evil, by wrong, by sin. If we want to see our houses, our churches, our generations change, we need to fall back in line with how God ordained it to be. Women, you are not asked to be less or inferior. You are asked to be different. 
you have an extremely difficult job. He sums it up in the last verse, verse 33, right? Where he says, men love your wives and women respect. Here's the thing. They are independent of each other. Husbands, if your wife doesn't deserve love, do it anyway. If your wife is a horrible woman, you married her. Love her anyway. Wives, if your husband deserves no respect, is a lazy son of a gun who does nothing, respect him anyway. The Bible says to. Here's the thing. Men, you want your wife to respect you? Give her something to respect. Wives, you want your husbands to love you? Give them a reason to. Work together in it. They are independent of each other. You should do it no matter what the other one is doing. But man, it's so much easier when you're giving each other a reason to do what you're supposed to be doing anyway. And you will always struggle. You will always have to struggle with it. What person wants to be subject to somebody? Nobody. What person wants to die to themselves for somebody else? Nobody. Before you say Jesus, have you ever heard of the Garden of Gethsemane? He begged for a different way. He was willing to do it, but he didn't want to. I'm not saying that our roles are easy. I'm not saying that it's something that comes naturally. It's something we have to work at every single moment of every single day. But I'll say this, and I know I've only been married seven months or so, a little bit less than, but my wife gives me reasons to love her. So I want to give her reasons to respect me. We're not perfect. We haven't been married anywhere near the couples in this room, how long they've been married. But as we read through scripture, we see that this is what it's supposed to be like. And if you read throughout scripture, you see the blessings that are poured out on the people that follow this idea, that follow this plan that God laid out. We each have a call on our lives individually as wives and husbands. Some of us might not be married in this room right now. That's fine. Paul might not be talking specifically to you on this. So to sum up, wives, you are subject to one man and one only, not to society of males. One man. Respect him. Husbands, kill yourselves every day. What she wants, you do it. Because she's more important than you. Wives, support your husbands. Be his co. Be his helper. We can't do it on our own. Husbands, as she supports you, take the step. Protect your family. Be the covering. Be the fortress that when she looks at you, she goes, I feel safe around him. And not just a physical safety, but a spiritual safety, a mental safety, an emotional safety. That's what we're called to do. Both sets of society have it completely wrong. Nobody's better or different. Let's pray. Father, we ask uh, that you would help us to understand our roles as husbands and, and wives and to walk in them correctly. I understand, Father, that this is a hard thing because of sin, but I ask that you would grant us the grace to do it, and I ask that you would grant us the grace to be gracious to the, our other halves when we fail or when they fail. And finally, Father, I do ask that you give us safety on, our, on our, our travels home. I ask that you would just protect us. And Father, it's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen and amen.